What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the ninth episode of the MLB Takeover Podcast, brought to you by the Takeover Podcast Network, alongside Matt Daniel. Like I am Chris Lavalley. We have an exciting show for you all. Matt, what can they expect this week? We are going to discuss some prospects, baby. Prospective us for the rest of us. We're going to talk about the atrocious record of the Cincinnati Reds. A little bit of Yankee Stadium fun. And uh, we're going to be two angry men about Madison Bumgarner. But before we jump in the podcast, we have an exciting and fun opportunity for all of you who love to play fantasy sports. We here at the Takeover Sports Network have teamed up with Prize Picks, and they have a special offer for all of our listeners and viewers, new users. That deposit and use the promo code TAKEOVER will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times in any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks has a ton of stats to choose from, including points, rebounds, assists, three pointers made, fantasy points, and more. Prize Picks also allows mixed sports entries. For example, you can take the over on Steph combined with the under on Allen in the same entry. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks has an award winning, easy to use mobile app, which you can find both on the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So, if you're looking for a fun and easy way to play daily fantasy, be sure to check out the prize picks and don't forget to use the promo code takeover so that they know that we sent you that's prize picks promo code takeover. And let's jump right back in. So Cincinnati Reds have won a total of four games. They actually won a game last night. They won four. Ooh. They have won four games so far this season. They have a four and 22 record. They have the potential to be the worst regular season team of all time. And it's just atrocious. I mean, this is atrocious baseball. We, we talked about it a few episodes back near the beginning of the season we talked about ownership and the importance of of making sure that owners are actually spending money on their salaries the cincinnati reds went full just they traded everybody away uh over the past couple of years to the point where now they have joey Votto and like really nothing else so i i don't I just don't know how this is a good look for Major League Baseball and how they can just sit back and allow an atrocity like the Cincinnati Reds to continue. So with their fourth win of the season, that puts them at a 182 winning percentage. If we're nice and we round, we'll round them up to 182. In the modern era of baseball, the worst team winning percentage in history was the 1916 Philadelphia Athletics, who finished 36 and 117. That's a 235 win percentage. The Reds are <laughs> 15 points below that. And it's like the NBA had to make rule adjustments, right? Because of all these teams that were just so egregiously tanking, we would get into the all-star break in a season and you would have five or six teams just not even trying to win basketball games anymore down the back stretch. The Cincinnati Reds are doing this out of the gate. Right. This is one of the most deliberate and egregious efforts to just be bad I've seen in modern sports history. This team is, like, honestly, the Cincinnati Reds should have signed Albert Pujols this year because they need his bat. Yeah, they need they need everything. And that's it, saying something. It's um, it's just, it's awful. I mean, and I was thinking, I'm like, you know, so how we, if you're going to do like a blame pie, how are you to slice it up? And I was sitting back and I'm like, you know, this is pretty simple. 50% of it goes to the owners. Front office gets another 25%. I was saying the manager gets 15% and the players get like 10. Because realistically speaking, you can't really blame the players for the fact that they're just not very good. I mean, it just, it, 
it's not their fault that the team constructed around them is trash. The manager can only do so much with what he's given. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's gross. I mean, I, if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, how do you like? How do you even talk yourself into going to a ball game? It, like, I, why would you spend the money? What? So I can go watch my team get crushed? That's like that sounds like a great Saturday afternoon activity. No, you become you become the uh, the late '90s Tampa Bay Rays, and you're just going to see other teams. Yeah, I mean that's true. You you just I mean, and honestly, if there was ever a time where somebody wanted to abandon their if, if they're from Cincinnati, abandon their hometown team, this would be the time to do it. Go find somebody else to root for, because clearly the the ownership of the Cincinnati Reds have no respect for their fans. Hey, Jose Ramirez just took a hundred million dollar pay cut to stay in Cleveland. Go root for them. Yeah, exactly. Find somebody else nearby. I mean, there's plenty of teams around that area that you can find that's that's worth at least worth your time and and your money. All right, we're going to move oh, on from. from oh yeah, on. go ahead. Hold on, go let's ahead. just add insult to injury here a little bit. <laughs> okay, um, Reds pitchers have allowed 166 runs so far this season. I'm not sure that includes last night. Reds hitters have 162 hits through 22 games. I mean, so they've allowed more runs I, than they have hits through 22 games. They are batting 203, second worst in the MLB. 267 on base percentage, worst in Major League Baseball. 585 OPS, worst in Major League Baseball. This is historically bad. This is contextually one of the worst 22 game starts, 23 game starts we have ever seen in baseball. Their best pitcher right now has one win on the season, and his ERA is 7.01. I mean, <laughs> like. What are we doing, folks? Look, Native Aldi also only has one win on the season. So, uh, yeah, I, but it's easy. I don't appreciate seven? you. I, <laughs> I don't know. It may as well be. <laughs> no, probably not. Boston just can't put any runs on the board right now. But the th- the point is, we're, we're in this era where we're talking about how much baseball needs to be competitive, right? It needs to be entertaining. We need more mic'd up players during games. We need more things to draw the average fan into baseball, even if it's not watching full games. I don't care about that. But, like, just to follow along, Mm -hmm. right? The Cincinnati Reds, I don't care who they're playing. I'm not going to watch. I'm never going to watch. It's that bad. And I like baseball. <laughs> it's not, it's just not it's not worth anybody's time. Like you you make yourself irrelevant like this. It what's the point? There you you've now all you've done is teams are sitting back and going, thank you. Now we've got an easy sweep. Now we know we can mark it on our calendars. If we're in a rut, oh good, we're playing the Reds. We can go beat up on that high school Perfect. baseball team. Sounds yep. great. Um, I want to do a quick. We're gonna do a quick little um, diversion here. We didn't talk about this ahead of time, but we should probably talk about this on headlines as I'm looking at ESPN.com and just talk about Dusty Baker getting his 2000th win, which is a big deal. And Dusty Baker is, he's, he's one of the best managers of all time. He's going to be a hall of famer. He's a world series champion as a player. He's done a lot for a lot of different teams. You look at the Cubs, the Giants, the um, Nationals, and now what he's done with the Astros 
is pretty just what he's done with the Astros alone. Take everything else out of it. The fact that he has righted the ship after the the, the scandal that happened in Houston is pretty remarkable. I mean, you really got to give the guy credit. He's been just the 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 definition of, of what it means to be a leader and what you're looking for in a manager. And he does. I, I feel like Dusty Baker has slept on in so many conversations when when we talk about best coaches in, in sports or best managers in sports, however you want to look at it. Dusty Baker is never at the top of the list, and he should be. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I also think that that's because baseball managers don't really matter that much, but that's just my opinion. Um, I think that what he's accomplished – I should I should say this. Baseball managers don't really matter that much, except that cumulatively over the years – success can be attributed to them. And Dusty Baker does have that on his resume. I was just looking at the all-time list of um, of manager wins in MLB history, and I was looking at, like, what's attainable? Because, like, he's not going to catch Connie. Like, Connie right. Mack is at 37-31. No one will ever touch that number. No one will ever come probably within a 1,000 of that number. But, like, Tony La Russa at number three is at 27-28. Dusty Baker is, is is already at the 2000 mark. So it's like, I think there's a way, for, if Dusty Baker wants to continue for another couple of seasons, which I can't see why he wouldn't, unless, you know, like health issues or something, mm-hmm. I, I think he might end up in the top five all time in, in wins, which is, in and of itself, it speaks to the quality of his how he runs the clubhouse you know, and the kind of guy he is, because really, what are you looking for in a manager? You're looking for somebody who's going to make the right pitching change at the right time, right? He's going to read, he's going to, he's going to understand the analytics. He's going to read the baseball part of it. And he's going to run a good clubhouse, right? That's what you want from Dusty Baker. You want Dusty Baker to keep everybody in line. You want, you know, to not be banging on trash cans. When Dusty Baker is around, you want it, you have that expectation right. when Dusty Baker's is there, right? He's reputable. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I mean, I forgot the Reds too. I was just looking at his, his overall stuff. He was manager for the Reds for a long time as well, but yeah, I mean, he's just, he's one of the best to ever do it. And you know, he does deserve credit. The reason why I was, I was bringing up like the, and I know what you were talking about when you said, Baseball managers really aren't brought up in like the all-time best coaches in whatever sport type yes. conversation. But we used to talk about Terry Francona a lot more. Joe Torrey was always oh, talked God, about. I miss Terry Francona. <laughs> What's the matter? Alex Cora's not doing it for you. Um, I've never liked Alex Cora. Really? I have hated Alex Cora from the beginning. All right, so we're doing Dusty Baker. We got to get into this. So as a Red Sox fan this morning, how are you feeling? Honestly? I feel great. So I'm just wondering I'm what you're doing. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. You and I are kind of in uh, in reverse positions as we to are. how we how we started last season. I was like delightfully surprised by the Red Sox that had a nice little start to the year. And I was like, oh, Nick Pavetta can actually pitch Major League Baseball. And ooh, look, Garrett Whitlock is so good and so fun. We finally have a reliever we can rely on. And ooh, J.D. Martinez and oh, Xander Bogarts, Bobby Dalbeck's hitting home. Now I'm just like, I can't even, I don't even want to look. I don't even want to look. I don't want to look. I don't want to look at all. 
talk to me in June when maybe things have turned around. I, at this point, I am on a brief vacation from the Red Sox. Other than they need to do something about the outfield. All last year, all last year on Spaceball, you and Austin Space, when that's the, you know, that's the, the womb that this show came out of. Yes. Talked about how the Mookie Betts trade was actually, if not a win for the Red Sox, a wash because of the prospects they got back. Because Verdugo is basically the same hitter that I'm here to tell you, Austin Space, that Alex Verdugo is not the same god, not the same darn hitter. Sorry, I caught myself there. It's okay. As Mookie he's not even in the same stratosphere. And I really liked Verdugo last year, and I'm certain that he's going to be better as the year goes on, but he is no Mookie Betts. And I was excited to have Jackie Bradley Jr. back. His defense has been phenomenal. It always is. He cannot hit the ball. He can't hit the ball. We're playing Kiki Hernandez in right sometimes. I don't – it's just not good. And then here we have 25-year-old Jaron Duran blasting balls in AAA Worcester. He's literally done everything he can do in AAA. Mm-hmm. He's got blazing speed, makes good contact. He's an excellent outfielder, and they bring him up for one game. He goes one for four, and they send him back to Worcester. <laughs> you can't tell me that we don't need some of that because we're not putting runs on the board. Well, you need something, and you need a spark. And if that kid's going to give you the spark, why? Like, why? I mean, why not give it a shot? I mean, you got nothing else to lose right now. You guys can't win games. No. And, like, this is not uh, this is not the year where you can be like, ah, it's fine. No big deal. East is a mess. We're going to catch, you know, we'll catch up around the all-star break. If you fall behind in the first third of the season this year, it's going to be nearly impossible to make a wild card in the American League. Yes. Yep. Yeah, you've got about a, you have about a month left of screwing around before it's – it's all over. Yeah, I mean, unless we go break. full Oakland A's 27 game, you know, or 22 game win streak right. or whatever it was, you know, then then maybe you got it. But I mean, that's very improbable. Uh, still no signs of Chris Sale. Yep. For a guy that uh, injured himself in the offseason not playing baseball. That's oh, by the way, of all these, is 2.94. So it's actually not bad. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. For him, I'm not impressed. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not impressed by Evaldi. You know uh, you what I'm impressed have... by as a Red Sox fan? Can Who I just have impressed? one moment of, of a shred of light? Yes. Somehow, 97-year-old Michael Wacha has been our best pitcher easily this year. Yes, he has been. He's been really good. He's been really fun. Let's see. What does he have here? He's got – I saw his name. Back. He's got three wins. He's got a 1.38 ERA, and he's got uh, 36 strikeouts. No, he doesn't. I'm sorry. He doesn't have 36 strikeouts. He has nine, 19 strikeouts. 19 I'm sorry. Strikeouts. Yeah. He's been really good. He's been really so, good for us. Yeah. I mean, you guys are um, – Wow, you guys are terrible. I know, dude. I'm just looking it's, at your stats right now. It is it's, not – It's Bogarts, Endeavors, and literally nothing else. JD's not hitting. Dalbeck – I'm not even sure Dalbeck has a home run yet this year, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, it's so bad. Verdugo's terrible. Jackie Bradley's terrible. Trevor Story's been bad. This is so, what happens, though, with these guys that change teams. It's always like this. It was like this with Lindor. It was like this with Bryce Harper. It's always one year where they just 
can't get it together, it seems like. And it's really unfortunate that the same is true of Trevor's story. So how, how did it make you feel to see uh, Otani play so well in, in Fenway Park? Uh, the fake MVP, Shohei Yeah, the Otani. fake MVP. Fake MVP. Uh, it breaks my heart every time I see Shohei Otani play well. I can't stand that guy. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's get off of your depressing train. And no, gonna... why did you do that to me? I don't know. It's because it was fun. And it, I, I didn't know how to, to transition away from Dusty Baker. I didn't You're know how to transition like, hey, do you want to feel bad about yourself? How how are you feeling? Exactly. Um, the Yankees are playing well, by the way. Thank you for asking. Um, anyway, even though we've had two rainouts, which we're going to touch on in a little while. I'm going to give you the floor because this is your segment. You're the one who came up with it. It's all you. Go ahead. Prospect of us for the rest of us. We're probably going to do this quite a few times, to be honest with you, because there are a lot of interesting prospects in Major League Baseball right now. Some of them have been up from opening day. Bobby Witt Jr., everybody knows about him, Kansas City Royals. Yes. Um, you know, there are, there are definitely some guys uh, to keep an eye on this year. But over the course of the last like week and a half, there's been a few really highly touted prospects that have been getting their first, you know, their first call-ups. And number one lives right there. Same team as Bobby Witt Jr. MJ Melendez from the Kansas City Royals is the first prospect we're going to talk about today. He's only played two games. He's gone two for six so far. They got rained out after that, postponed for, for his next game. So it worked out great for the stats I put together yesterday morning because nothing changed. <laughs> I didn't have to adjust it at all because they got rained out. But he's the number 49-ranked prospect overall. He was actually the 52nd pick in 2017. Last year, so that's a second-round pick for those of you who can't count. Last year, he led AAA with 41 home runs. As a catcher, he's got a 762 OPS. There are like two to three catchers offensively that really, really, really matter in baseball. One of them plays in Kansas City. There's JT Real Muto. But yes, Perez, Salvador Perez also plays in Kansas City. Which is fine, because if you have two catchers who can hit, then you can either play them a catcher or DH or whatever, and you can right. move them around, and that's great. MJ Melendez has this this blend of, of power and like true behind-the-plate backstop ability that... I don't want to get crazy here, Go because... Ahead people will probably hold this against me forever and I'm never going to be able to unsay this, but Mike Piazza. That's where I was thinking. That's exactly who popped into my head when you were describing him. I, just watch him. Sw I mean, he's bigger. Like Piazza was kind of a small guy, you know, but like Melendez is, is, is pretty big, but he just, the power that he hits the ball with in, in, in the pure beauty of his swing, like, the Kansas City Royals have a lot of good baseball players right now. I mean, they still have guys like Whit Merrifield and all that that are fun to watch that have been kind of stands for them. But now you've got, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. and MJ Melendez. The Royals could be good in not very long. And I don't think, like, MJ Melendez is probably not getting sent back down to AAA this year. I think he's right. on the roster for the year. I mean, given his production, why would you why would you send him back? And also, if you are in a dynasty fantasy baseball league. Yeah, snatch this kid up. 
not that he's available. He's probably already on somebody's team, but like I would try and make a trade for this guy. Um, so the next, the next prospect on our list, Royce Lewis, Minnesota Twins. So he's a number 44 overall ranked prospect. He was the number one pick in 2017. He plays shortstop, but they move him around the infield a little bit because so they originally thought that Carlos Correa fractured his finger, which turned out not to be true, unfortunately. I just don't like Carlos Correa. I'm sorry. I was going to say, that's kind of a, that's a bleak take, but okay. <laughs> it's the Astros bias. I can't that's help fine. it. That's okay. Carlos Correa is a bum. Anyway, Royce Lewis is uh, not taking Carlos Correa's spot now. Um, they've got uh, Luis Arez is uh, on the COVID list, so they're going to start Correa at short and, and or start, sorry, start Lewis at short and Correa is going to move to the other side. So he's been 310 with a 430, 563 in AAA this year. Three homers, 11 RBIs, and eight steals in 24 games. Kids got speed. He's uh, blazing fast. Which is, yeah, look, if this kid sounds like, I mean, as much as the as much as I, I like Melendez, I don't know. If I had to pick like prospects here, Royce Lewis might be the guy that I'm gonna put my money on as far as becoming like a, a full blown superstar in, in major league baseball in the next couple of years. He has the makings of like a premier shortstop in major league baseball. Yes. You know. And that speed translates to defense as well, where at short you're asked to cover so much ground as we've seen from some of our favorite guys like Pedroia and Jeter over the years, you got to be able to put your body on the ground. Not the, why did I say Pedroia? Pedroia is a second baseman. I, I can't even mean. talk about any part of the Red Sox right now. Did you want to talk about Nomar? Is that, you want to go way, way that's, back? Yes. That's the good old days. Who was in my brain. And I said <laughs> Pedroia's name. Well, yeah. I mean, Nomar, Jeter, you had, um, God, what's his face? Uh, Tejada back in the day, way, way back in the day. Yeah. That was the golden age of shortstops. That was an amazing time. Anyway. We really don't have anybody. No, hold on. Because that's important to talk about Royce Lewis here. Shortstop was always, like, when I was growing up watching baseball, like, shortstop was the position that everybody wanted to play in Little League. Yes. Like, if you were on the field, if you weren't pitching, like, you wanted to play shortstop. Everybody wanted to be the shortstop. Noma, Noma Gassiapara was the greatest man on the face of the planet because he was this superstar at this position. And it was the same thing with Jeter. I feel like this generation of baseball doesn't have a single shortstop that fits the bill like those guys. No. Not one. It's not advertised the same way either. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the popularity of baseball. But you're right. It was – I'm trying to – like, I'm trying to – I mean, really, shortstops were the quarterback – of of the baseball team like that's how people looked at at the shortstop position is you were the quarterback you were the face of the franchise if you were a superstar and you had that was back when a rod was a mariner mm-hmm. you had tahada you had garcia para you had jeter there's another one too and it's it's bugging me and i can't i, I knew there was an, there's another one that's floating around wasn't it was he in cleveland mm, maybe not fiscal right omar fiscal wasn't he a shortstop or was he second base there's another. There's a Cleveland guy that's popping in my head. I can't think of it. It's driving me nuts. Um, More details yeah, to come. Yeah, exactly. But there, it was. It was the golden age of of shortstop play. And 
what, what was it, like mid-2000s, it kind of just started to just die out. Tejada got injured. A-Rod moved to third. Jeter got slower. It, it just, and Nomar fell apart. Yeah, and look, for us, even having Xander Bogarts is like, yes, Xander's a star. Xander's great. Mm-hmm. Xander's awesome. Xander is not one of those guys. No. And I no. think that Royce Lewis has a chance to be one of those guys because even Francisco Lindor who was billed as the face of a franchise I don't think he is that anymore like I just don't think you can you have to be really truly special why do shortstops not have power why do these guys not hit why can't any of them hit for power well I I mean (laughs) not not one of today's shortstops really other than maybe Correa is going to hit more than 25 home runs and back in the day Jeter was really the only one that didn't hit for power yeah everybody else you know, everybody else did. Nomar was getting, you know, 30, 40 home runs. Obviously, we knew A-Rod was because he was drinking testosterone. And then you had – and Tejado was just naturally beefy. Like, that that dude was cracking home runs all over the place too. So, Jeter was the anomaly as far as power hitting one. He was just – you know, he batted over 330 every single season. But Right, but he, I was going to say, he was like Mike Trout's contact at the plate. Like, he just right. put the ball in play every time. So, yeah, I think that Royce Lewis has a lot of potential to maybe bring a little bit of prominence back to the shortstop position. I've got one more prospect for us. Juan Yepes, corner infielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. Everyone's beloved Albert Pujols had better watch out because (laughs) this guy's coming for his DH job. Pujols is about to be cut or optioned. Well, I mean, he's not having the best season, so. I mean, who could have predicted that? I was rooting for him, man. I'm not saying I wasn't rooting for him. I delusionally talked myself into a world where he could have a little bit of resurgence this year. But the simple fact is, Yepes is hitting 286, 383, 586 slugging in the minors from last season. He is a pure masher. And, and aside from pure power, he's got a sub-20% strikeout rate. Power hitters in Major League Baseball do not have sub-20% strikeout rates. Hello, Aaron Judge. Right. Yeah. Not only that, but he can play both the corner outfield and corner infield spots. And it sounds like he's going to replace Pujols as the everyday DH. Or maybe switch between him and subbing out Dylan Carlson because he's not been spectacular this year either. Um it seems like this kid's going to stick. And especially in fantasy baseball, two things, three things, three important things about this. Fantasy baseball, home runs matter. This kid's going to mash. Home run derby, which is one of the few things that people still really, really, really care about and get up for in baseball. Yes. Look for this guy to be in a derby in, his next, in the next couple of years because he, he just has it, dude. He's got that pop. And also, just guys that have power in general make baseball so much more interesting. I mean, yeah, it's cool to see a really, really talented hitter that bats three forty three walk up to the plate and put one in play. Yeah, it's great to watch Kevin Euclid walk one out of every four at-bats because it's good for your team. But it's not exciting. It's not fun. Absolute smashed balls are fun. Yeah, and we don't we don't really have that 
that type of power anymore either. Like it, it's very interesting. Um, we're going very back. Few guys that have it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have two of them play on the Yankees. You have Stanton and Judge, Stanton who and can Judge. just just decimate anything. Uh, Trout, when Trout gets a hold of something, same thing. Bryce Harper has that ability. Yeah. So there's you you have a few. I, I just but think about it. Who's like if if you take out Stanton and Judge because the Bash yeah. brothers are are kind of you know in their own category. But if you think about the rest of the league, like is Nelson Cruz the guy that you, the first guy that comes into your mind outside of Stanton and Judge for like true pure power hitters? And he's like forty seven years old. That's sad, but you're right. probably right. I'm just I'm going through right now. I mean, yeah. it was it was Pujols for a stretch. It was, you know, Miguel Cabrera's had years where he's been in that category. Right. These are all old guys, man. Even a guy like Rafi Devers, who Devers has power, no doubt. But like, he doesn't have. This is going to sound stupid because steroids are low, but he doesn't have Mark McGuire power. He doesn't have Sammy Sosa power. He doesn't have. Like that, I am just going to mash this thing. David Ortiz power. David Ortiz power. Right. Thank you. That was a way better example. I'm just trying to blank out all Red Sox thoughts. That's okay. Um, you know, but and that's judge you, that. if they want to if they want to make things fun for like the home run derby one year, what they should do is they should make a cutoff of you have to be at least this old and up to be in the home run derby and get all the old school guys to just smash home runs. That'd be great. Year. Especially now that this is pool holes is last year. You get pool holes, you get Cruz. I don't know who else, you know, we could, we could dig deep and, and actually look at some of like the older dudes. But I mean, like to me, that would be fun is, is just watch the old guys and see what kind of power they still have with this the like little a, lollipop a 35 balls. and 35 and up pickup. Yeah. The 35 league. and up home run derby. Home run derby. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it would be fun to watch them, you know, see, see, a, see if they could still do it, but you know, it just to to bring some sort of more excitement. And home run derby is exciting; people still tune into it. It's not like it's it's not like the NBA uh, skills competition where nobody oh, watches. God. But um, yeah, I just I just think that would be something that would be really interesting, especially with a lot of you know we're seeing Cruz can't, isn't going to last that much longer. I don't think. Well, maybe I don't know. He keeps hitting home runs, but uh, pool holes is obviously going to be done. And before we know it, Judge and Stanton have only got a couple more years in their prime, and then they're going to start falling off. So I don't know. It's just something to think about. But we, we, we definitely, it just, this whole podcast right now, as we've been, you've been bringing up all these prospects, and I'm still stuck back in like the late 90s, early 2000s of like just the golden age of, of baseball. And it just bums me out because we're not, we're not in the same position that we used to be. No. No, we are sad. not. We 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 were very fortunate to grow up when we did and to watch the baseball that we did because it's just it's just not the same. Um, I, I don't know. It's too. It's probably too deep of a conversation for the rest of this podcast to try and speculate as to what exactly happened to the game that changed. Like, no, we'll, we'll do that eventually, though. We should, we That'll be a full podcast show. Yeah. So that is a couple of different prospects for you guys to keep an eye on, both in your fantasy teams and uh, in real life. Two angry men. Here we go. So Madison Bumgarner was ejected. The Diamondback starter was ejected by first base umpire Dan Bellino, I believe is how you say his last name. Bellino called Bumgarner over at the end of an inning to check for pine tar, which is the new MLB policy. 
Rather than look at his hands, Bellino was rubbing Bumgarner's hand while staring at his face. It looked creepy, and it was extremely uncomfortable. Bumgarner was rightfully irritated, swore at the ump as he walked away. Bellino tossed him from the game. So that's the Reader's Digest version. You can go on YouTube, Twitter, wherever, and you can you can see this for yourself. And when I first heard about it and I first saw it, the only camera angle I saw was the back of Bellino's head towards Bumgarner. And then I saw Bumgarner make the comments and then make some more. And then Bellino tossed him. So at the time, initially, I'm like, yeah, okay. So he probably said something stupid and he got tossed. Like, that's on him. That's not... That's not on the, the, the first base ump. And then I saw the other camera angle where it looked like he was at a day spa massaging oil into Bumgarner's hands while just grilling him at the same time. The fact that Bumgarner, who has been known to be a bit of a rough rider, the fact that he didn't just deck him in that moment alone is impressive. And Bumgarner should get so much credit from everybody around him for not having just the the urge to absolutely decimate this dude. Because let's be real, if Bumgarner got a hold of Bellino, Bellino wouldn't be recognizable. So that it I just umpires, you guys suck. Okay. And this goes for all officials right now. The NBA refs are on a whole nother level right now in these playoffs. They've been atrocious. Yeah, somebody's gotta teach them what an offensive foul looks like. <laughs> But Bellino and and other ums like him, like uh, what's his face? Who's the one that we talked about last week? Angel Hernandez. Thank you, Angel Hernandez and others. It's it's not about you guys. It's just not. It's not about you. And the fact that we've we've given them a little bit more power, it's gone to their head. Especially now that they can do like the NFL referee thing when it comes to explaining uh, whenever somebody challenges a call, and now they're going into the uh, they're looking into the camera and making a big deal about like making hand signals with what it is and all that kind of stuff. All right, go ahead. I, I know I know you've got a lot to say, so just go. I honestly don't have a lot to say, but I can tell you for sure that if uh, if another man ever unnecessarily touched my hand for that extended period of time while staring me dead in the face, I would knock him out. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner would have been 100% justified in taking a swing at this idiot. And I can't believe he didn't do it. I can't believe Major League Baseball isn't doing anything about these umpires. Take away the fact that Angel Hernandez is literally giving other teams wins because he is so egregiously missing calls, right? Take that away. What was gained by the first base umpire, Dan Bellino? Everybody should know his name. I want to really, I want to really get this going. This, this thing where if you are just this big of an idiot, everyone knows who you are. Dan Bellino deserves all the fame we can give him. Egg his house. Spitballs at him in a restaurant. Whatever you can do to reinforce the fact that this man is a scummy, weird, creepy, shitty human. So, and, and, and this is interesting too, that I was thinking about this. If a player did something weird and creepy like this, he would get suspended for a decent amount of time. I don't ever see umpires getting suspended or referees getting suspended. And th this is in all sports right now. This isn't just MLB for doing really stupid, blatantly ignorant things. They, they get a 
talking to or well we just won't let them ref or ump postseason games yeah but they're still getting checks you're yeah. still paying them that's not, still like, so, on national tv touching madison bumgarner's hand right so i mean what you're saying is that they won't get a they won't get their bonus this year but they're still collecting a paycheck whereas if a player does something that's considered out of line they lose game checks and they're out for a period of time i don't understand why and it's almost like the these refs get or officials, let's just put it this way, officials in general seem to get like this, this protective bubble that is put around them as if they have the most difficult jobs on the planet and no one can ever possibly understand the stress and, and, and what they go through. I'm sorry, but you're getting paid a lot of money to do a relatively easy job. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there, there's not difficult calls that you have to make from time to time, but for the most part, you have a dream job. You're, yeah. you're one step lower than a professional athlete. It, realistically speaking, you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to officiate a sport. It's not, it's not life-changing work, folks. And no. it's just, it's not as, as difficult as everybody seems to make it. And the real technical problem that I have with this is there is no justification. There is no justification for the way that he handled Madison Bumgarner. No. Pine tar, for those of you who don't know, have you ever gotten tree sap on your hands? It's like really difficult to get off, right? Like you took your Christmas tree out after Christmas was over and you got sap on your hands. And you got to really get in there with like some Dawn dish soap and like scrape that stuff off your hands, okay? That's why pine tar is illegal because it gives you so much stick and grip on the ball, right? Right. It's 0% difficult. Here's my hand. Oh, it's not sticky and tacky, so there's no pine tar there. That happened in a second. There's no world in which this is required. <laughs> there's no world in which this much hand contact is required to determine whether or not there is a foreign substance on your hands because you would know immediately because it wouldn't feel like skin. Exactly. Yeah. There's no justification for it. This guy should be given, like, I don't, give him half the season off. Just start chucking these guys in the penalty box, all right? Start hitting them in the wallet so that they can get it together because there's no place for this. Baseball can't afford this kind of weirdness. Yeah, it's, everybody's going to talk about it, which is fine. But, like, I would have rather just seen Madison Bumgarner pitch the rest of the game. Yeah. Come on, the Diamondbacks are probably going to lose anyway. Why are you going to take <laughs> Mad Bum out? I mean, Diamondbacks 14-14, so they're, they're doing okay. 50-50 if, if they weren't If they weren't in such a loaded division, they would actually be pretty okay um but no i yeah it, it's just these guys need to stop getting just the this giant bubble around them needs to be popped and we need to stop treating them like you know they're they're victims all the time and i i get it they they do they take a lot of heat from time to time but a lot of times it's deserved and it's earned it's not like people are just like oh i'm just gonna blame the refs today because my team didn't play well some people do that but the majority of the time, if you're getting a lot of heat in the national press, it's because you did something to to deserve to get that type of heat.
Yes. And look, the job is the job is the job. And I'm never going to say, like, I'm not going to say that you should just go along with whatever the structured and accepted standards are with something, right? Like, think if something's wrong, something's wrong. Or if you're not getting what you deserve, then you should say something about it or do something about it. But there are parts of jobs that are part of the job. That spotlight and that pressure is part of being uh, an official in a major sports league. Just like at my job, I'm going to have 20 people who need something from me all at the same time and are going to ask me seven stupid questions and they're going to be a pain in my ass. That's part of my job. I can't get, I can't cry about that, right? Like I can't be protected from that. And that's what seems to happen with these officials. You are in a position where you're going to make subjective calls at times that are going to be dependent upon your view and your opinion and your interpretation of rules, which means that it's going to be subject for debate for the people, for the millions of people that are watching you do it. You chose that spotlight. I'm not saying that you should be allowed to, you know, attack people's families for it, you know, uh, but you definitely should be able to pass judgment on how they do their job because you do a job that happens in front of a camera that is watched by millions of people. Right. You and Major League Baseball needs to do a better job of setting the line. All sports need to do a better job of setting the line between the zebras and the players because, unfortunately, baseball is weird. Baseball is this weird, passive aggressive tug of war between the players and managers and the umpires. Basketball, it's like everybody's just. Buddies. We all just want to be BFFs with Giannis and LeBron. That's all I want for Christmas this year, Adam Silver, is I just want LeBron to send a card to my house so that we can be best friends. So I won't call him for that travel. I won't call Giannis for that clear and blatant charge because we're all BFFs. Football, I don't know. Football, they must just... I'm not sure what the requirements are to be an NFL referee, but... I, I don't know either. All right. First name basis. We're going to talk about something a little less uh, grumpy, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, so yeah, we're done being angry. Yeah. So the Yankee brass is looking into putting a retractable roof on Yankee Stadium. And this has a lot to do with the fact that there's been two, two straight rainouts. Um, and frankly, why hasn't this been considered? sooner now i have read articles looking into this a little bit further that it has been brought up in the past at least as far as uh the yankees are concerned they've they've thought about this in the past um but the fact that more especially if you're in new england anywhere within like new england area let's say like geography from like as south as as baltimore north why you wouldn't consider doing this in general makes no sense to me because especially Early in the season, it's cold. And then in the postseason, if you're in the postseason and you play in New England, there there has to be, you have to look at it as there is some sort of a disadvantage, especially if you're someone out on the West Coast, especially someone like the Dodgers, or you look at Arizona, you're in the Diamondbacks, you're in the World Series, you have to travel to Boston or New York or wherever out on the East, let's say Baltimore in some weird dystopian world. And... You're going from 
80 degrees to 35 and sleet for a World Series game. There's that's a chance a, of it for sure. That's a bit of a disadvantage for for both teams, yes, but more so for the team coming from the you know the western part of the of the country, mm-hmm. where you're you're in warm weather, and now all of a sudden your body's going to shut down in a weird way because it's not used to being freezing cold. So, I think if we're trying to keep it, if we're trying to keep a competitive balance in the sport, why not? Look at look at the fact that in the, at least in the early parts of the season, as long as the latter half of the season, postseason, I should say, not really latter half of the season, but once you hit the postseason, yeah, you close up the roof and you make it, you, you turn it into a dome, and you make it fair for everybody, and also be more enjoyable for the fans. Who the hell yeah. wants to go, you know, spend seven hundred dollars on a on a postseason ticket at Fenway Park or, or Yankee Stadium? and freeze your butt off in standing room only because it's 35 degrees and snowing in at a World Series game or an ALCS game. <laughs> oh, man. So, the number of, not only that, imagine that you bought your tickets to go to Yankee Stadium. You took the train in. You got there early. You went and did all the cool stuff in Yankee Stadium. It's a little cold, but you're not too worried about it. It'll be fine. It's early. It's 10 a.m. You got a one o'clock start. It'll warm up, and it warms up, and the game's about to start. And you're so excited, you don't even care that you spent $500 on tickets and $120 on your first two beers. And the second inning comes, and it starts to rain, and you go into a rain delay. That's fine. There's places you can go in Yankee Stadium to get out of the rain, right? It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. I'll go to the bar. We'll go hit some balls in the batting cage. We'll go to the memorabilia shop. We'll do all this stuff. No big deal. Rain delay. Then an hour goes by, and the rain hasn't stopped. And now you're like, well, I guess we better go sit down and eat some food in the restaurant. You spend another couple hundred bucks there. Another <laughs> hour goes by. The rain doesn't stop. Rain is postponed. Game is postponed due to rain. You just spent all that money and did all that traveling and spent all that time to watch one and a half innings of baseball. You, the fan, who's going to go to one or two games a year, maybe, right? Like the average fan is not going to get another opportunity to go and see this game. Right. And not only that, the postponed game will now be in the middle of the week at like one o'clock in the afternoon. So you're not even going to be able to use the ticket. So now you're going to have exactly. to turn around and sell it on the secondary market and hope, hope that you can possibly get your money back because realistically speaking, most people are not going to take a day out on a Wednesday to go right. see the Yankees play at the Orioles. Baltimore. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. So yeah, no, I mean the whole point of this, I went on this whole other diatribe, but you brought it back to the whole point, which is, the rain and in the inclement weather that a lot of, especially in new England, you deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yes, in the Midwest too, you know, you deal with, with bad weather, which is why, again, I come back to every team should do it. Every team should do it. I, I honestly think they should get rid of domes anyway, and just have, they should all just be retractable roofs. At yes. This point open stadiums with retractable roofs. A hundred percent. Look, do I have a really hard time picturing it on my beloved Fenway? Yes, I do. Yeah, that would be that would be rough. It would be weird, but what you're but it makes sense. That's the thing. It makes sense, like from a very logical perspective. 
you just you take re- you take revenue sharing from the league. You say we're putting a retractable roof on every open air stadium in Major League Baseball, so that if there's shit weather, all we have to do is spend twenty minutes closing the roof. And we're also going to bomb the Tampa Bay Rays stadium and just rebuild it completely from the ground up because that thing is a disaster. But there's a team right there that should not have a dome. Why do you have a dome in Tampa Bay? Because the it co- rains there all the time. That's fine. But again, that's, that's a reason for a retractable roof. Because it's though, hot outside. I don't care. I don't care how hot it gets. You can deal with the heat. It's It's the fact that because Arizona, that's a retractable roof, right? The Diamondback Stadium is not a I retractable so. roof. Yeah, okay. The way the heat is in Arizona, you have to have a retractable roof, right? But but they also could have gone the the route of just having a dome, and they chose yeah. to do the retractable roof thing. I, I just it, it just makes the most sense. It, I mean, it really does. I and maybe it would mean that that maybe they would have to rebuild a couple stadiums. The Fenway Park thing would be tough, and I and I'm because I'm sitting there and I'm going, I don't know how structurally they would be able to do it yankee oh, stadium no. is easy the, the way that it's built now the new stadium it, it wouldn't be that difficult for them to do yeah the older stadiums like dodger stadium and fenway park mm, that might be a little tough Wrigley field that would be yeah interesting but uh, i get the the sentiment of what you're saying of creating of eliminating these rainouts, mm-hmm. which impacts the fan yep and making it a more balanced competitive field when you do have severe weather changes. It does make a lot of sense. And Major League Baseball could certainly afford to do it. At the very least, the New York Yankees should do it. Yeah, the Yankees and the Mets, both of them. You Mm -hmm. you might as well do it in both New York places. I mean, by the way, why are the Mets winning? I mean, they are so good. It's so crazy. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. That seven nothing comeback win that they had to come, they ended up winning eight to seven against Philly. Yeah, against Philly. Was I was at work, and my dishwasher at work is a Mets fan. He wears his Mets hat every day, so he started Great. talking about it. I had streamed Taiwan Walker in the baseball league. He was really good last year. I was excited. He gave up freaking like five runs in the first two innings. And, uh, and he was like, dude, I, I did the same thing. He goes, I'm so mad. You know, we're, we're just, we're just both him, a Mets fan, me, a Mets hater. We're both just talking all kinds of smack piling on the Mets. You know, he was like, this is exactly what I expect from this team. He was like, I knew this stuff was too good to be true. This is them coming back down to earth. And then we go home and all of a sudden the Mets come back and went eight to seven and they are just not stopping right now. They're not stopping, and Jacob DeGrom's not even in the rotation, and we keep saying that, but it's still true. This, I'm not going to, I am not, I'm going to hold on to this Mets are going to collapse take until until there's no hope of it coming back around, but it, they're starting to make me look really dumb right now. Well, it's starting to make us both look really dumb, and I'm the same way as you. I'm going to hold on until post-All-Star break, yeah. but come August, if they're still and I'm, I'm not saying they're going to maybe be on the same pace or trajectory that they're on right now. No. But if they're still in first place or they're in second place and they're knocking at the door of the Braves or the Phillies, mm-hmm. then, yeah, we're going to have to alter our – we're going to have to revisit the whole thing. And But the fact that you brought up DeGrom, and I know you said hey, we always bring it up, it's important to bring that up, the fact that DeGrom is still not even there yet because they're going to be even more potent 
once DeGrom enters that enters that pitching staff again. Yeah. So I just want to throw out a little fun fact to loop back to our uh, retractable roof thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, this uh, this article from LiveScience.com estimates that a retractable roof adds between one hundred million and one hundred and fifty million dollars to a project over an open stadium. That's nothing. That's nothing. They could do this to all of the stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, all of you out there, hundred like. If you go and you dig into how expensive stadiums are, that extra $150 million, that's like you buying a car and somebody saying, yeah, Apple CarPlay is going to cost you an extra $400. Like, the, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. That's fine. Here's your four, here's the $400. I mean, that's that's literally what it is. It's not $150 million on a, on a billion-dollar project is, mm-hmm. is really nothing. Nothing. So, all right, you got anything else? Just more tears. Just sadness about <laughs> yeah. the Red Sox. And the Yankees being good. Well, I mean, you know, if you're tired of watching your team lose, you could always just watch my team win. It's actually quite grab. It, it it just makes me feel so good. Although, the timing of my Brian Cashman article probably doesn't sound so good because I bash Cashman in this article I wrote for the network's website. But he still you know what he still you know needs what? to go. I do want. I do have something to finish up first name basis here. Okay, go ahead. I just want to say that this network is absolutely crushing it. And I really hope that you guys that listen to our show go and listen to a lot of the other products that we have to offer through our YouTube channel, through our podcast, and now with lots more written content on the Takeover Pods website, specifically your Cashman article, which I loved. Thank you. Uh, But also... Our fearless leader, Blaine, shout out to him. He wrote this great article uh, about Texas A&M football um, and what the expectations are for them this season, and I really enjoyed that uh, also. It was really well written. Um, our buddy Richo did a a very whimsical recap, I'll call it, for, of the, uh, of NFC. the NFC outlook, NFC East yep. outlook this year. Um, you know, if you, don't, if you don't mind some grammatical errors, the content is excellent. His, his thoughts on the NFC East, I think, are really interesting. Um, I, I, there's just a lot of really good content. So if you guys like what we do, or if you don't like what we do, there's plenty of other people on the network who do other things that uh, that are fun to listen to and read. Yeah, so subscribe to the network channel. Make sure you download all of our stuff on whether it's Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcasts is where we're available for you. And that's it. That's all we have for you this week. Everybody be well. We'll talk to you all again next week.